Well, if you want to turn in a Bible to John chapter 7, uh, we recognize at the end of June, we have made it through Father's Day in June, a Mother's Day in May, and anyone who holds that title uh, gets that one of our responsibilities when it comes to our kids is making sure they understand, as best we can communicate, the difference between their needs and their wants. And in full confession, uh, uh, with four kids, the baby of our family, Callan, we are totally guilty of, you could say, babying the baby, where when it came to when she was uh, a little younger and we were trying to wean her off that pacifier, I remember we tried to reason with her. Um, you know, I mean, we're worn out, we're tired, we're trying, uh, four kids in, and we're trying to convince her that, hey, big girls don't need passies. And she would cry. She'd say, Daddy, but I needs it. I needs my passy. And I said, no, you don't needs it. You wants it. And I am pleased to announce her birthday was this past Friday. Uh, she just turned eight. And I'm pretty sure we've got it pretty well taken care of. No, I'm kidding. My wife will not be happy if I in any way uh, allude to the fact that that did not happen any sooner than it did. So um, she's off the pacifier. And I think the funny thing about it is, is as much as we point to kids, if we're honest as adults, sometimes we're not a whole lot better. At, you could say differentiating between our I needs it versus really what's an I wants it, what I need versus what I want. And what we see in the Gospel of John is Jesus, he is constantly moving people from what they want to what they actually need. That they think this is what I want, this is what I want in God, this is what I want from Jesus, but this is what they actually need. In fact, the religious leaders themselves, they missed it. They wanted Jesus to come from where they wanted, when they wanted, and the way that they wanted. And consistently, Jesus said, no, this is what you want, but the way in which I've come, not as a, a military leader, as you were looking for, but the way I've come is the way that you need. Or just the people in general. You know, uh, we've seen uh, over the course of John that, you know, Jesus has done some pretty cool miracles. He's turned water into wine. He's taken a little boy's lunch of fish and bread and turned it into a meal for thousands. Uh, and just with that, all the miracles, you know, free medical care uh, from Jesus, all you could hope for. And that's, and that's what people wanted more of. They wanted more signs. They wanted more miracles. Uh, they wanted more of what they wanted. But over and over again, Jesus says, but this is what you need. He wants to show us that these temporary things, these things that we think we need, but actually are things that we only want, are things that he's going to use and continue to teach and continue to reveal to us that they are teaching us about things, not that we want, but that we need, that we need from him that's not temporary, but eternal. He wants to take our temporary wants and reveal to us our permanent needs. And so read with me in John chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 37. It says this. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom... Who, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so on hearing these words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said, he is the Messiah. So others asked, how could the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? 
Thus, the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. So as we jump into that passage, we see right out of the gate, verse 37, that the setting is the last and greatest day of the festival, it says. And that festival, that would have been, which we see earlier, uh, is the festival, it's called the Festival of Booths, the uh, biblical holiday, the, the Festival of Tabernacles. And for uh, the people in Bible times, that would have been like the biblical uh, holiday equivalent of like the 4th of July. It was like a Memorial Day weekend. It was just, you know, a big party to commemorate essentially all that God had done for them to really provide for not just their wants, but their needs, uh, looking back to the books, the biblical books of Exodus and Numbers, where we see how God provided for his people when they wandered in the wilderness and before entering the promised land. And so as they traveled through the wilderness for 40 years, um, they had no permanent homes. And so you could say it was kind of like the ultimate hiking and camping trip that instead of lasting for a 4th of July weekend, lasted for 40 years, um, which would probably take some of the fun out of it. But nevertheless, in that time, God had a lot to teach them. He had a lot to teach them about, you could say, what they wanted versus what they needed. And so God provided for them. He provided everything they needed. He provided food and water and shelter. He gave life-saving water by miraculously providing water from a rock. Uh, he gave quail from heaven. He provided uh, this stuff called manna. It was like bread, but it was like sweet bread. It would be like the equivalent of like Tony the Tiger's Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. I mean, they're great. Uh, and God also provided uh, temporary shelters, these tent-like structures that they would set up camp, that they would set up, that they would travel, they'd set up and they'd travel. And then amidst those tents or those little tabernacles, you could say there was one very special tent, a very special tabernacle that was the dwelling place of God among the people. And so the Festival of Tabernacles are simply called Sukkot. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sukkot celebrates all of that and how God provides for his people with everything they need. You could say in two words, God's providence, that God provides. And so this very powerful biblical holiday is for us, is to be reminded of that exact same thing. And to that end, I'm actually here uh, in my good buddy Dave Campbell's home, uh, going to spend some time with who I was talking to, getting some, making some, some confirmation on some things, as he's recognized the power of God's providence, and he celebrates in his own home the Festival of Tabernacles with his family. So, Dave, I'm inviting you into your own home, which is kind of strange. Thanks. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's nice. I like what you've done with the place. Yeah. Okay, all right, so share with me a little bit, uh, or really not with me, I already know, but share uh, with our church um, what this festival is all about. All right, so you kind of alluded to a little bit of it earlier. We read in in Numbers and Exodus where the children of Israel are traveling in the wilderness, Um, and so God tells them when they get into the promised land uh, to not forget his providence and his promise, so we have to, it's like this reminder that there was a time when you solely relied on me. It wasn't the ground that brought the fruit. It wasn't all that. It was you had to rely on my provision. And so every um, every year, usually in the fall, uh, it's September, October, depending on the, the calendar, um, uh, you build a tabernacle or a booth, a sukkah, on your 
on your property, and it says to dwell in it for seven days. And that's who we're in right now. That's right. That's this is your. You built this. I had to set this up. Yeah. In the spring. In the summer. Or summer. In the summer. It is hot. So it's a little warm, but it's better than usually. As soon as I put this up, it starts raining. So we did um, better today. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I like it. It's nice. Yeah. So all these walls are temporary, and they'll come down. Yeah. It's temporary structure. I have a little pergola that I built to attach my walls to, but we take all the walls down. We've got this little roof covering um, that we take down and uh, just store it, and then we put it up in the in the fall. And if you were to ask my kids what their favorite holiday is, one or two might say their birthday because they don't understand holidays yet. Nice. But everybody else would say Sukkot is their favorite holiday over Christmas, Easter, all those. Wow. So tell me again what I know because that's why I'm here, and that is the significance specifically of the sukkah. Okay, yeah. So one of the things that I've I've spent a ton of time studying kind of the Jewishness of where our Christian faith came from and and really a lot of time in the Old Testament. One of the things that I was struck by very early was the ways that God would use a physical thing— to represent something spiritual. So um, spiritual realities are represented in physical activities. And it's amazing when um, God gives you these opportunities to say, build the sukkah. It's not believe in the sukkah. Mm. It's build the sukkah. And we get out here, we build it, and we're reminded that um, we, we actually physically leave our house. We'll eat as many meals as we can out here. Um, if it's not raining, we'll tend to we can sleep out here one or two nights. Um, nice. Yeah, the kids are very excited. Some of them have yet to sleep in the sukkah, so they're this the, next year. I, I put an age limit on it, so they're super excited sure. to get to sleep in the sukkah. And it, it's it's we come out here, and it's not just so. Hey, I needed something extra to build and store throughout the year, but it's God says I want I want you to remove yourself from everything that's normal, everything that's familiar, and and refocus yourself on something that's a spiritual significance. And so we have the walls that surround us, and um, the requirements are you have to have two and a half walls uh, because it represents the arm of God, is the sukkah. And so you've got one, two and a half uh, uh, walls. And so you've got this, like, you're in the hug, the embrace of God. So when we come out and sit in here, it reminds us that the embrace of God is hugging us, and you've got to have a special ceiling on it that you can see the stars through um, so that uh, you you remember that God is like the Holy Spirit is covering us, and he's looking down on us. And so we're completely surrounded by the presence of God as we come out here. And one of the um, things that is pretty powerful to me every year when I come out is we sit here and it you can't see it but my house is right here so I've got this big the back of our house looks really big because we got the garage and it's just this big blue structure that's sitting right there and it's so nice to be reminded as I sit out here that God God what we think is we're in the temporary structure and that's our permanent structure mm. but he he wants to remind us that that's not permanent. That's This is all temporary. Like, all of this is temporary. The dwelling in his presence, we come out here and we just sit and we're in the embrace and the arm of God is the permanent yeah. thing. And so we kind of get it backwards 
what we recognize as permanent and what we recognize mm-hmm. as temporary. Powerful. And so it's a really great reminder that just, I mean, just like all of us found out that in a split second, everything that we think is permanent, our jobs and our economy and mm-hmm. our health can just all just be like evaporated just like that. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I appreciate that lesson both here and frankly, one that I experienced last fall. I remember we were, uh, you could say I was going through my own, what was ultimately a temporary trial. I was going through some rocky ground looking for some water in a dry and thirsty land. And we were going to grab some coffee and talk about it. And he said, hey, why don't you come over to my house, check out the sukkah, and we'll sit in here. And you started to share with me uh, the power of this understanding and the reality that in my temporary circumstance, uh, the permanence of God's arm around me, his covering over me, and the reality that no matter how permanent it might feel, or not not trying to belittle our temporary circumstances, but more appropriately increase and right-size the permanence of who God is, what he's up to, and how anything in the temporary is only an opportunity to point to him eternally, to, uh, as he says, store up our treasures in in heaven uh, in the way that we respond to the things of this earth. So, anyway, I appreciate you as my friend. I, can I show oh, elbows? I don't know. Can I hug? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. We're not six feet anyway. All right. You can now leave your own dwelling right. place. Thanks. Take good care of it. Keep going. I will. All right. So in our passage, verse 37, it said again, it said, on the last and greatest day of the festival. And so Jesus says, okay, and remember, this is the festival of tabernacles where Jesus is at. Uh, and we see that in John 1:14, before this festival, that it speaks to Jesus. It says that the word Jesus, it says he became flesh. And don't miss this. With the Feast of Tabernacles, we see in the beginning of John, he says the word became flesh and he made his dwelling. He made his tabernacle, his sukkah among us. Jesus tabernacled, if you will. He made his dwelling place among us that the God of the universe chose to live among us, that just as the tabernacle in the wilderness was a dwelling place of God, Jesus says now, I am God. I am the dwelling place of God. I indwell everything that God is. I am God in the flesh. God dwells within me. As it says in Hebrews 8.2, Jesus is the true tabernacle set up by the Lord. And so grab your Bible. You're not gonna wanna miss what Jesus has to show us in this, as he says that uh, at this point, at the last day of the festival, it says that Jesus, it says he stood up and in a loud voice, uh, meaning I've got something significant to say, I've been storing this up throughout the whole week and I've got to get this out. And this is really as they understood at the greatest day of the festival, it would have been like the grand finale, like the end of the 4th of July fireworks show. Uh, What they would have done in those times, the priests, they would have uh, symbolically drawn uh, water from the Pool of Siloam and they had this like elaborate processional where they'd uh, march to the temple and they had this golden pitcher where they would symbolically like pour out water on the altar as a memorial, as a remembering of how God provided water from the rock in the wilderness. And so Jesus, in light of that, he says, here it is, the grand finale, with all this focus on things that are temporary, wanting to point us to that which is permanent, he says, verse 38, 
excuse me, no, verse 37, he continues. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. That in a world where you have so much focus on the temporary, on the water that you're gonna have to keep going back like the woman at the well, yet it's not gonna fully satisfy, it'll satisfy maybe the body but not the soul. That what you want is not what you need, that in the temporary, Jesus is pointing to the permanence of, drum roll please, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. He says, I am the rock. The rock doesn't provide water, I provide water. I am the living water, both here in this life and for all of eternity. And then once you receive it, he goes on to say in verse 38, he says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, quoting back to the prophet Isaiah, he says, then living water, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, it says he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And so when you receive God's son, when you receive Jesus Christ, when you receive God's uh, son, you receive also with that, you receive his spirit, his Holy Spirit alive and active within you. A, a river of living water that is both in you and flowing from you. And so here's what I know. I know, I know that everyone at some level needs to know this, remember this, experience this, live in this. That you could say that what is it when I ask of you what Dave got to ask of me that one day? What's, the, what's that rocky terrain? What's the trial? What is the, the dry and thirsty land that you are walking through right now? Where is it that what you think you need, Jesus wants to expose, is really what you want? That maybe for you, you, you want your spouse to change, but what you need is Jesus living water in you, flowing through you, changing you. Maybe in your life you want the pain to go away. The, maybe it's physical pain or emotional pain, as the Apostle Paul said, the thorn in his flesh. But what you need is what the Lord said to Paul, that my grace is sufficient for you, that my power is made perfect in your weakness. Maybe what you really want is for that person to apologize, to, to see and to understand and to admit how they hurt you. But maybe Jesus wants to reveal to you that even if they never do, that what you need is to learn from him how it is that you can forgive nevertheless. What you want, what, what I want, if I'm honest, is I want my circumstance to change. But what we need, regardless of whether a circumstance ever changes, is God to change us, to change you, to change me, to change our hearts. And so listen again to the words of Jesus who made his dwelling, made his tabernacle among us, that just like us, when he came to earth, he was tempted just like you and me. He hurt just like you and me. He was misunderstood just like you and me can. He was rejected just like you and me have been rejected. And he says in verse 37 again, he says, let anyone who is thirsty come and drink. Receive from me what you need. And then just as awesome, verse 38, whoever believes in me, just as the scriptures say, just like Dave was for me on that difficult day uh, for me last fall, the opportunity you have that as the living water is in you, it then flows from within you to help others see that what they need, despite what they think they want, is Jesus.
And so we receive it and we give it. We receive living water and we give living water. That living water of Jesus flows into us and flows out of us to others. And so as we surrender to God, what, what we want, if we're honest, and look to receive what we need, uh, to, to ingrain this, to keep this with us, uh, each week we've been looking at what we're calling our, our live it application point. How is it that we can take what we heard in a few moments here on a Saturday or a Sunday morning or maybe whenever you're getting a hold of this and seek throughout the week and beyond to continually surrender what it is I want, continually surrender the temporary for what I need, for what is permanent, for what is everlasting. That um, What is it that, that we can do to continue to be reminded of that? And so here we are in the summer of 2020, and if you know, maybe you see this uh, you know, years from now, this is the summer that uh, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, because of a basically a pandemic, uh, we're washing our hands probably more than ever. We probably washed our hands more in the summer of 2020 than we have any other summer prior to that. And what they recommend is to take 20 seconds uh, to wash your hands. You need at least 20 seconds with soap and water to wash your hands properly. And I thought about this. With the reality of really water being temporary, uh, tap water being temporary, and living water from Jesus being permanent, what if we use that temporary model, just like with the sukkah pointing us to what's permanent, what if we took just the simple act of washing our hands and we used it as an opportunity to remember the living water of Jesus, that maybe you just pray for 20 seconds, God, I know I want this, but I need you. Jesus, I know I want fill in the blank, but I know that I need you. God, I know I want you to do this or to fix that or do that, but I need you. And so every time you wash your hands, I would encourage you, Jesus, be reminded in temporary tap water of the eternal living water this week uh, that even though you want this, you surrender that and recognize, Jesus, I need you. And so as we go, as we do that, I recognize that the truth is that we can't actually receive that if we don't already have it. And what we keep coming across in the book of John is every time Jesus reveals who he is, that the people respond. Some accept him, some reject him. And that's no different in our passage here. It says this, starting in verse 41. It says, after all this, as others says, He's the Messiah. So others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? They're confused about where and when he's coming. Does the, not the scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town of David he lived, which he did. Verse 43, thus, basically, they're coming up with excuses. They're coming up with realities because he didn't come the way that they wanted him to. They're missing what they need. And it says, verse 43, that the people were divided because of Jesus. Because this is the thing that happens every time. Every time Jesus exposed, you could say, what is temporary and really calls us on what we want versus what we need and what is permanent, people, religious people and non-religious alike, they either accept it or it's just too hard to hear. It's too hard to accept that what they need is different from what they want. It's hard to believe that Jesus really is enough, that his living water is enough to sustain us. His grace is enough for us both in this life and the next. And so either you've said yes to that living water or you haven't. And so we want to give you that opportunity to say yes to that living water, uh, that in this form of online church, that by texting the word Jesus to our church phone number, 217-875-3350, we can get that conversation started. 
I was so encouraged a number of weeks ago when we, um, we, we put this out there. Uh, someone reached out via text and uh, started a new relationship with Christ. They, they said it this way, I'd grown up in church, but I guess you could say I was a part-time Christian, and I want to go full-time. I want to give my whole life to Christ, uh, almost like a, he'd been sampling, and he was ready to kind of go all in. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe it's like, you know, going to Sam's Club and you sample the sparkling water and it's like, okay, I'm not gonna just do the free samples. I'm, I'm going all in, I'm gonna get the bulk supply. I want the living water of who Jesus is in my life and to lead my life in everything, not what I want, but in what I need, which is him eternally in spite of the temporary challenges that we face. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you need to start that conversation for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. And so you text the word Jesus. Uh, to our church phone number. Or maybe for you, you'd say, you know what? I'm all in, but I need, I need God's arm around my shoulder. I need, um, I need a friend to share in that conversation with me. And so we as your church, we are your friends in this regard. And we would be honored to pray with you, pray for you with our prayer team and pastors. And so if you text the word prayer uh, to the church number there, then we would be honored to get back with you and pray with you in any way that we can. And so for all of us, let me pray that we would all see, that we would all grow, that we would all increase in our understanding of the permanence of what Jesus wants to do in us and through us uh, as we put aside the temporary things of this earth. And so with that, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, for those who they realize they have not accepted and received the living water of who you are, that they would have the courage to start that conversation, to send a text, uh, to begin to step in or really take the next step in understanding fully who you are and what you want to do in their lives. Uh, but first of all, may we all grow in the reality of what is temporary, of what we want is only what we want, and look to what is permanent, what we need, that we would not store up our temporary treasures here on earth, but that we would receive the eternal treasure of your living water both in us and then extend that living water to others as you lead us this week, as we wash our hands and are reminded uh, in the temporary tap water of the eternal living water that you want to flow through us um, in whatever context you have us in, uh, those, that day, these days, uh, and all the days of our life and beyond. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.